Hey, Monarch Nation. On this episode of the Monarchist Podcast, we talk with Coach Finwood, coach of our Old Dominion Monarch baseball team. After that discussion, we meet with John Valines of the Old Dominion Athletic Foundation on the Build the Bud campaign, the latest and greatest with the stadium renovation efforts and how we all can get involved. I'm Aaron. I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Coach Chris Finwood, coach of the defending conference USA baseball champion, ODU Monarchs, to the show. How's it going, Coach? Hey, guys. It's going great. We just finished practice and uh, nice afternoon here in Norfolk in the mid to late April. We're enjoying the warmer weather. That's fabulous to hear. It is a beautiful day out today, unlike the last couple. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a little chilly here this week, so but we're looking forward to some good temperatures through the weekend for our series against Florida Atlantic. Can't wait. We'll be definitely be there. Welcome to the show. We're going to start kind of how you got to Hampton Roads. We know that you were okay. a military brat. Your dad was in the Air Force. You ended up moving around a lot and ended up in Hampton. Yes. And then after high school, you ended up playing baseball at VMI. So clearly the military has had a huge influence on your life. How does that influence impact your day-to-day as a coach? Well, my dad, you know, was a career Air Force guy. And so time management was always something that was at the forefront of everything we were doing. And uh, when I decided to go to VMI, that was certainly the case there. And, you know, they're valuable lessons uh, that you learn from places like that. Time is of the essence. He used to, my dad used to always say, and that got reinforced when I went to VMI. And, you know, I, learning how to manage your time and, and prioritizing things that are important or, you know, I think a part of what successful people need to do. And we try to pass that on to our players nowadays. And, you know, the structure of military and the discipline, I think, were things that certainly boded me well as I was, you know, coming up. Hey, Coach, I'm a military brat myself. My dad served in the Navy, retired chief, and then I did 11 years in the military. So I'm very familiar, especially growing up in this area. You know, the, the game has changed for kids from 30 years ago when I played. These kids are playing every day on travel teams, and they kind of get into that flow in their local area and just kind of, go with those teams and don't necessarily move around a lot. So for for kids that are in a military family that maybe move every three years or so, maybe travel from San Diego to Norfolk here with our Navy population, how do kids like that, what kind of advice would you have for those kids that are trying to learn the game as they bounce around? That can be challenging. You know, one of the things that you do definitely learn as a military brat is how to make friends quickly. which is a valuable tool, but you're right. You know, you don't have the advantage of getting locked into one certain organization and kind of coming up through the ranks and you've got to earn your keep and kind of uh, re-earn your keep every few years. So I think, you know, we've got, we've had some kids that we've recruited that moved into the area, you know, later in their high school careers. And, you know, you had to get to know them pretty quick and things like that. So it's certainly challenging. It's also could be an advantage of, of really understanding how you constantly having to prove yourself. And so I, I think there's probably, you know, a few advantages and disadvantages on both sides of that. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you on the friendship part and having to reprove yourself everywhere you go. I, my dad was in the Coast Guard and we moved quite a bit. Um, never really settled anywhere. So I remember having to move to a new place and tell them, hey, I want to be the quarterback here and to prove to them that I could actually play the position. End up getting moved to wide receiver or so on. So it can be really difficult. So there's been a lot of discussion in college baseball about the number of scholarships or adding another paid assistant coach. if you could add or make one change yeah. to college baseball rules, what, what would it be? I think a lot of the rules are getting ready to change uh, across the board in college athletics. You know, this 
new autonomy legislation that's coming out from the Power Five. Uh, I think this summer we're going to see some drastic changes amongst the you know the upper level schools with with the most money. It's going to be more scholarships. It's going to be more staff. They can afford to kind of do whatever they want, and it's just going to keep making it a little bit more difficult each year for you know the mid majors to compete for the same championship as them. Some of these facilities we go play in now, man, I wonder how we ever beat these guys. Like it's it's pretty impressive what they're they're doing from a facility standpoint across the country right now. Yeah, it is quite amazing. I might yeah, spend some that. time at Tennessee, and we were just talking about that the other day of. You know the facilities that they have already, and then the money they're plowing in. I think you told me they were putting like seventy-two million dollars into their facility or something like that. I don't know if that's the right number, Mike, but that's on top right. of an that already is. awesome facility, so you can't compete dollar for dollar on that type of stuff. So, you know, Coach, obviously, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff going on with building the bud and trying to do that stuff, and we're we're going to talk a little bit later about that in the the podcast. But how do you, how do you fight back, so to speak, with not having the same financial stuff, not having the same type of facilities, not being able to necessarily pay your assistant coaches? How do you get creative to kind of be that David against a Goliath? Well, you have to develop kids and, you know, I guess, frankly, you have to get a little bit lucky in the recruiting process. Um, with everybody having limited scholarships, you know, some of the bigger schools might be a little leery on putting a scholarship into a certain kid. And we may see some value in that and maybe his potential down the road. You know, our kids have to be players that we can coach and develop and get bigger and stronger. And hopefully they're guys that can compete against anybody, you know, at some point in their careers. I think we've done a pretty good job with that. It's not easy. You're up against it because you, you can make less mistakes when that's the case. But we have to develop our guys. We have to coach them. We have to help them, you know, get better at certain things, technically, mentally, physically, and strength-wise, certainly. And that's just the way it is. And so we know that. And, you know, that kind of is the underlying theme between, amongst everything we do you know is this kid as good as he's going to get today or can we look in the crystal ball a little bit and see him him be a guy that can help us compete against you know the best teams on our schedule each year down the road and that, that's kind of how we do it we're we're rarely going to get the you know the kid that's a superstar right out of the bat once in a while but usually it's a kid that has to develop or a junior college player that takes a couple years to become that guy. You know, Matt Kootenay's a great example. It's his third year here, and he's finally coming into his own this year. I would say so. He's killing it right now. <laughs> yeah. He's on a pretty good roll right now. Yeah, he definitely is. Hey, you answered a couple of my questions without me even asking. So uh, with regards to what you look at and what you look for in attributes for extending a scholarship offer to a player. Well, once you've made that decision, how do you sell Old Dominion to the recruit? Well, we, we try to talk about our, you know, this, what they're interested in academically and where our strengths lie in, in that certain program, how well our players have done academically. You know, we've graduated 100% of our student athletes that have completed their eligibility here. And so we're really proud of that. What our team GPA is each year, we're one of the top men's teams here at the university. Our academic advising situation led by Amy Lynch is fantastic. I mean, the guys, if they do their part, are going to graduate when you come to play baseball at Old Dominion. And so when we sit down and talk to, you know, moms and dads about that, and we talk about, you know, helping them grow up and doing the right things and making good choices and being accountable and all of that, you have to do all of that to play in our program. You can't just be a good player and slide by on the other things. So one of my favorite days, two, two of my favorite days are senior day, but also that graduation day when our guys put their caps and gowns on and get their diplomas on the field. 
because they miss graduation each year and seeing you know the professors come out and, and hand those kids their diplomas and seeing the moms and dads and the smiles on their faces because we promised them we'd help you know their sons get to that point and it's a very gratifying time for me as as gratifying as uh, any win we've ever had certainly and you know I always have a few tears in my eyes because you, you got those kids a lot of times your first um, start of a relationship with them was when they were 15 or 16 and now they're 22 and they're young men and you know you like to think you had a a small part in helping them grow up. It's interesting, Coach. Um, I have a question on rosters. So baseball has some yep. challenges that other sports might not have. You have uh, high school recruits that might actually be in line to be drafted. You have college players that might get drafted and as sophomores or juniors. How difficult is it roster planning with all of those? How difficult is it roster planning with all that going on? as well as the new transfer rules? Well, it's extremely difficult. And now you throw in the fact that the Major League Draft got pushed back to, you know, whatever it is, the All-Star Game weekend, mid-July. And we are supposed to have scholarship renewals out on July 1st. <laughs> and so we mm. don't even know who's coming back at that point. So, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly a challenge. And that's not going to get any easier with the transfer portal rules and one-time transfer and, you know, all those things. It just becomes more difficult. You have to have a lot of Excel spreadsheets working at the same time, that's for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh... Now, Coach, the last two years, we've seen some of the best Old Dominion baseball teams in a very long time. Is that success having an impact on scheduling, make it easier to schedule, harder to schedule, bringing quality teams in? That's a good question. Our schedules kind of remain pretty consistent, I think, as far as non-conference schedule. It's, uh, you know, we're trying to play the very best teams we can within our resources. We don't have a ton of budget money to travel outside of our conference play so we kind of have to bring in northeast teams and we're trying to bring in some of the better ones you know each year and this year you know the last year the rpi worked in our favor and this year early it just didn't some of those teams that are usually pretty good and help your rpi just weren't winning and weren't helping it so we're starting to kind of creep up there a little bit now but we've got a long way to go but yeah i mean it can work both ways. I mean, teams want to play you because you're a good RPI team typically, and some teams don't want to play you because we're a mid-major that can beat them. So it it could, it could be on both sides. You know, we're real proud of our relationship with UVA and Brian O'Connor, you know, continuing to want to play us. You know, even though we've beaten them a number of times, we, we, we really appreciate, you know, this friendship there. So, Coach, speaking of that game, I know I'm excited about it on Tuesday. UVA coming to town, Harbor Park. With the new stadium, do you think landing teams like that on campus becomes more of a reality? I think absolutely it will. Yeah, I think once we have a place where we could pack it and people are going to want to come and it's a comfortable place to watch a game and other teams come in and see that, They'd, they'd be happy to play there. You know, we just don't have the amenities right now to, to host a, a large, you know, gathering like that. And we're hoping, you know, in, in 15, I mean, we had, you know, 6,500, 6,700 people down there at Harbor Park. We could never hold that at, at our facility on campus. And, you know, we're hoping for that same type of crowd on, on uh, Tuesday. You know, you got two teams that are, pretty good and having really good seasons and the fact that we beat them up there you know hopefully our, our ODU fans will come out and support that game and everyone's got that will. memory of the regional last year so yeah. a lot of ODU fans yeah yeah it's want to see us get some more revenge yeah, on them yeah and the, you know it's a it's a good chance there's a lot of Virginia fans down here in Tidewater and it's a good chance for them to come out and watch their team here right in their backyard so we just hope it's a great crowd. It, it can be such a fun night for college baseball. We've had some fantastic games with them down there. We've beaten them a number of times, and 
you know, they're going to be hungry to get back at us for what we did to them up there in Charlottesville a couple weeks ago. Well, hopefully we can take both of them and have a nice little uh, momentum to carry into conference play, more conference yeah. play. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Those Tuesday games are always crapshoots because you're trying to figure out what you're doing with your pitching. And fortunately, our last couple Tuesdays, Tommy Gertner's gotten it turned back around and thrown the ball real well for us. So we're happy with that. Now that's great, Coach. I got a question for you. As a coach, you obviously look at the game through a different lens than most fans. So what can you share with us that the average ordinary fan that may not have a lot of experience playing or even coaching focus on during a game? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know, your eyes are trained to follow the ball, so that's kind of what happens. And, you know, sometimes in baseball, there's swings and misses, and people could see it as not a lot of action. You know, but if you look out at different parts of the game, you're always going to see something going on. And, you know, you follow the middle infielders, you follow the catcher, the pitcher, the base runners. It's, it's, uh, it's a very nuanced game. But I think one of the things that people that love baseball enjoy about it is you can have a friendly conversation while a baseball game's going on. There's, you know, there are some lulls in the action, and then, you know, bursts of brilliance and then some more lulls and then an exciting play and you know you can have a conversation about the weather or politics and and still enjoy the game and you know i i think that's a neat neat part of baseball a hundred percent and nothing like going to the ballpark on a beautiful day getting some cracker jack and peanuts maybe a beer in your alley alley absolutely yeah <laughs> i agree all right, so we're going to have some fun questions here, get a little bit more relaxed. Okay. You have a great staff with Coach Guzzo, Marin, and Logan. Can you tell us yep. something that people wouldn't expect or surprise, like maybe a hidden talent that one of them has that we might not be aware of? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Well, Mike Marin and I are both English majors, so we're both avid readers. I know that. Uh, you know, something about Coach Guzzo, he was actually a place kicker at East Carolina in college. He kicked for the football team as well as played baseball. He was one of the straight-on square-toe kickers. And so that's something maybe a lot of people wouldn't know about. And, uh, you know, Coach Robbins played shortstop for me at Western Kentucky, was a 10th-round draft pick, and uh, was a fantastic player. And uh, so some people might not know that about him. I think Guzzo was on actually on the ECU team that played the uh, Marshall team that was in that movie that was portrayed in the movie We Were what? Marshall. He was. He absolutely was. You're correct. Yeah, that's a heck of a segue. I, <laughs> I, I've got a question for you, Coach. Coach Guzzo, you've got him in the dugout every day. What's it like having a legend like that alongside of you leading the men on your team? Well, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I tell people all the time, when, when I yell at him, he comes right around and gives them hugs. So we're a great one-two punch there. He's just, a, you know, he's a solid-as-a-rock guy that's always there for everybody to bounce things off. He's seen everything there is to see in this game. And it's great having him around. You know, he's, he's not getting around as well as he used to these days, but we love having him out there and, the guys certainly love having him out there, and we're very appreciative of, of our time with him. And, you know, everybody, you know, <clears throat> tries to absorb as much knowledge as they can from him each and every each and every day. Yeah, that's got to be got to be pretty awesome. All right, Coach, another, so another fun questions for you. So I'm a big foodie. Aaron's a big foodie. What's your favorite restaurant in Norfolk and at ODU, at ODU? My favorite restaurant in Norfolk, I think, is Le Grand on Collie Avenue. I eat, I, I'm a gluten I'm a gluten free eater, so they have a nice gluten free menu. Uh, Crudo Nudo also is a, is a good one. At around ODU, you know, it's hard to beat P. Frank's, although I can't eat all the stuff I used to there. <laughs> but I enjoy going in there for breakfast once in a while. Those are probably the the two or three best. I'm a big fan of Legrand's burger. Steve is awesome. Yep. 
great staff there. Yeah. Yeah, great. Close, and they do a great job. So, Coach, you know, we obviously listen to your Extra Finnings podcast, so there's always a music intro in there, and you always seem to have a good comment about that. Tell me, what's your favorite concert you've ever seen and who you haven't seen that's on your bucket list that you got to see? You know, I have not been to many concerts, guys. I, it's just not something I've been able to to do, whether it's because of personal things or, or work. or I'm really wanting to go to more. Uh, I am actually going to go to the Kenny Chesney concert when, they, when he comes this summer. Uh, I, I, when I'm traveling to recruit or whatever, my XM radio stays on no shoes radio. So I really enjoy his radio station. But I, if I'm listening to Pandora, I'm listening to like revivalist radio station that plays that indie kind of genre of music. You know, I, I enjoy that, that type of music a lot. And, uh, but I am going to go to, I, I haven't been to many concerts really since college. So I, I couldn't tell you, you know, any good ones. I was supposed to go see Eric Church in the winter, and that kind of fell through. Uh, I was supposed to go see Chris Stapleton and uh, last fall, and I ended up in the hospital. I got sick, so I couldn't go see that one. So I've just had an awful time with getting to concerts. Hopefully I'll get to go see Kenny Chesney this, this summer. But I really want to see Eric Church. I really like country music. I really want to see him. Yeah, I've heard he's amazing alive. And it's something that everyone, yeah. even if you're not a big country fan, that you should check him out. Yeah, he's just a dude, too, so I, I like that about him. Speaking of the podcast and stuff you like to cover, um, I noticed pretty early on that you like to mention a book or whatever you're reading. And that you're, yeah. you mentioned you're a pretty voracious reader. If you had to pick one book to bring on a flight or go to a desert island with, what would it be? <laughs> you know, one of my favorite books I think that I've ever read that about teams is a book called Legacy. And it, it's about the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. And it really is a book about culture and, you know, having a good environment and guys all pulling in the right direction. I, I really love that book. And we, we share a lot of things from it with our our team every every year another one close second would be daniel coyle's book the culture code i think that's a fantastic book as well but i really like reading uh, historical fiction you know when i get a chance i enjoy reading that in the evenings before i go to bed at night clive cussler david baldacci uh, those are two of my favorite authors so i, I enjoy some of those I'll have to add some of that to my reading list. We're going to ask you one more question. We'll let you get out of here, Coach. So the, the Monarchists came together as a tailgating group, but what has really grown us is our fundraising and our love for charity, mainly ODU and the Toys for Tots. Let us know what your favorite charity is so people can learn more about you and what you care about. Okay, well, that's a good I have done some work with tab church on just you know working with the homeless people and some of their outreach programs for you know providing food and shelter especially in the winter so most of my charity work is done through through tab church so that's the one that i'm currently supporting great work they're doing there too making sure those people are warm and fed in the winter absolutely all right, Coach, we really appreciate you have, uh, taking the time every day to talk with us. I've got one more restaurant. I okay. just remembered. <laughs> My favorite person in the world, Krisha Wikowski, who you guys know, mm -hmm. loves Crudo Nudo. So that's another fantastic restaurant that's in town. Yeah, that's one that I've been meaning to go to but haven't been to yet. It's one of the few. You should go. I'm, I'm probably going to go this weekend now. I gotta, gotta there go. you go. Yeah, I need to check it out, too. I hadn't even heard of that place. Mike, we, yeah, we right, might have right to hit that. Yeah, it's right there on 21st Street. Yeah. yeah. I think I read that they usually have Kobe beef on the menu. I think that's correct. And that was the big that driver for me. I need to go, go eat some. <laughs> if you haven't been, yeah. Coach, if you haven't been yet, you should check out Orion's Roof uh, at the Marriott at the Oceanfront. Okay. It's, yeah, that'd be great. It's a great, great date night spot. 
I'll let her know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let her know that. Good, good segue there. Coach, thank you so much for joining us on the Monarchist Podcast today. It's been great getting to know you a little bit better. You had the opportunity to connect with Monarch Nation and the Old Division Baseball Program. Obviously, the future is bright for the program, and we're super excited to be along for the ride. Well, thank you guys for having me. I apologize for missing y'all a couple of times, and thanks for hanging in there with me and my convoluted schedule this time of the year. We get it, Coach. Whatever you need. Hey, this is Scott Jackson, and you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. We're welcomed by John Valance of ODAF. He's an athletic development officer. He's a Radford alum where he played baseball. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, guys. Appreciate you all having me. So, John, we're here to talk about the Bud. You've got these great plans out there to renovate the Bud. It's been, the park has been around since, what, it was constructed in 1983 or open. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot of good things were, were made in 1983, myself included. So yeah, the Bud's almost 40 years old, man. It's 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 definitely time. I would say almost 40 years ago when when the Bud was completed, it was uh, it was the best field in the Commonwealth, the best baseball com you know field in, in the Commonwealth, hands down. It was the first to have lights, and you know here we are 40 years later. I was there just a couple hours ago, and she's she's still a beautiful park. You know, it's it's a nice place to catch a game, but we are you know. A whole nother program now. We're we're in national contention. We're you know obviously in, in a situation to, to host regionals and postseason events, and to be able to do that and to be able to show our fans and our players so that 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 first class experience. So there's there's some changes that need to be made. So it's it's an exciting time for the for the program and, and for the athletic department. I will say I've liked the incremental improvements you guys have made to the park over the last decade or so. Scoreboard's amazing. Rally Alley is a lot of fun. And obviously you got that nice indoor hitting facility. Yeah, I mean, all those little things do add up. And when you're trying to compete for recruits and, and, and trying to compete just in general, you know, starting with the indoor hitting facility. I mean, the Keys indoor hitting facility gives our guys the opportunity to train year-round, to train on cold, snowy days, on sweltering hot days. You know, it's, it's funny. You go down... You go past the stadium on a rainy day, and you can hear those bats tinking in there. It's it's you know it's getting a lot of use, and it's obviously making a difference. Our program is is on the rise. You look over on the other side, Rally Alley is kind of what I consider the the heartbeat of the Bud. I mean that's that's where everybody goes to be together and root on the Monarchs. It's become this really cool you know community gathering place and you know it's family friendly there's you know the, the grills on with the with burgers and dogs and cold beers and i mean it's it's hard to beat so the energy's there the support is there and and obviously the product on the field is there so here we are with with exciting plans to move forward with, with this stadium you're not kidding about rally alley i know that's where our group always congregates and you know it's it's pretty awesome because we get to meet a lot of different people parents of student athletes included coaches uh, we are always seeing coaches coach ronnie from football we saw coach smith oh, yesterday yeah. coach chow from volleyball there's all the coaches come together out there as well so it's really cool yeah no it's it's a really important part of our bonding as an athletic department to just be able to be out there and be together and all, all be supporting baseball together i'm sure there's a lot of teams that are jealous of that kind of environment so you know maybe there's some other changes that can be made to, to recreate rally alley and some other spaces soccer's tried it a little bit which is pretty cool but um yeah i, I would agree 100 percent that you, you go over there and you, you see student athletes that are coming out of practice or coming out of their game and they head straight over with with their parents that's a great way to entertain you know parents that are in town for the weekend you know, you, you see about at least 40 or 50 bikes locked up outside and, and there's kids and it's, it's all ages and it's just a great place for Monarch Nation to, to be together. That's for sure. So for those that don't know, the project, the renovation project for the Bud, what is all entailed in that? So obviously the this conversation was accelerated last year when we were unable to host you know that that regional that postseason component so you know right out of the gate that one of the first boxes that we want to check uh, with this renovation is that ncaa compliance piece we want to have adequate press boxes we want to have 
you know, a, a better box office for our ticketing. We want to have an athletic training room. There's, there's a list that the NCAA has, uh, a checklist, if you will. And so A number one is, is for us to be able to check all of those boxes so that when it's time for us to host a, a regional again, and we will, that we can do it at the butt. So that's A number one. Right there in a close second is what I would consider like player experience. So not just for our guys day in and day out that are, that are on the club now, but, but for recruits. So it's becoming really important these days to be able to showcase your facilities. Baseball players spend a lot of time at, at the ballpark and you know showing those guys a, a nice clubhouse, a, a nice training room, nice locker rooms, you know couches, televisions, video games, all that stuff's becoming kind of the norm nowadays. So for us to compete and continue to attract great recruits becomes important to have a nice stadium. And then you know, obviously the playing surface at the Bud is first class. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of the bud that, that stays. You know, the, the bleachers on uh, first base and third base side, you'll, you'll recognize those. They'll get, they'll get spruced up a little bit. We'll add some chairbacks here and there. But really the, the bulk of the renovation takes place behind home plate. So, you know, what's right now the press box, the center section of seating, the snack bar or concessions, I should say, back behind home plate, that all is, is completely demolished. We install an elevator shaft, uh, which again is back to that NCAA compliance piece. Uh, we got to be ADA compliant. Right now, the bud's kind of grandfathered in on some old ADA stuff. So, you know, we'll have an elevator. We'll have a club space behind home plate that would be, you know, climate controlled. Folks could go and take in ball games on those freezing cold February evenings when we're playing ball. You know, there's just all new coaches' offices in that center section, a first class press box that includes you know, home radio broadcast room, away radio broadcast room, uh, a full-on video room, video board room, tons of space for the writing press. So, you know, we're really just up in the ante and, and making sure that we're not just compliant with what the NCAA is looking for, but we're, we're kind of taking it to the next level. So it's pretty cool. That whole center section is kind of the nucleus, I would say. And then as you look over towards the third base side, which is what is currently the, the home team clubhouse, that gets completely gutted and renovated. So obviously locker rooms, mud room, you know, a player lounge, athletic training facility in there. So just a, a ton going on, but it's still the bud. So people ask like, hey, where's the new stadium going to be? Or, you know, is, is, how's it going to orient or whatever? It's home plate's going to stay right where it is. The outfield wall is going to stay right where it is as far as I, as far as I know. And we're going to use our existing scoreboard. Rally Alley is going to stay for the most part untouched it's, it's kind of working over there the hitting facility stays right where it is we're just kind of working on a few other things awesome i'm excited about it i've been going to the bud for years and i love it but for the players uh, the coaches it's remarkable what finney has done with the facilities he does have that locker room alone all you gotta do is look at that and you know it's time yeah that's one of our favorite slides to show in our in our in our sales pitch it's uh you know we have a a series of kind of before and after photos if you will so like hey here's our existing clubhouse locker room and here's you know slide two is like here's what we want it to look like and then you know here's what behind home plate looks right now and here's how it's going to look so yeah no it's a true testament to to coach finwood and the staff for just creating a really great culture i think you could talk to any of those guys on the club and it's it's they're all there for the right reasons it's not because we've got a glamorous locker room they're all able to look past that because because of the team and 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 they just you know those guys get along great they got a good culture they they work hard for each other and that's just one of those things that you know not even a new locker room can fix john i've got a question i know i'm not sure if this data is even out there if you you can talk about it but you mentioned separate room for uh, home radio broadcast separate room for the away broadcast and then you mentioned tv i know with us going to the Sun Belt here shortly they've got some different stuff going on with tv and espn plus are there things with this renovation that you guys are looking at doing with regards to espn plus broadcast so the, the folks in monarch nation that don't live in hampton roads anymore are going to be able to see more of more of those games absolutely Aaron great point uh, you know this Sunbelt transition one of the one of the nicest things about it is that ESPN partnership you know and it's it goes beyond baseball but talking about baseball today yeah we're gonna start seeing a lot more baseball broadcasts of, of, of home games at the bud when ESPN folks show up and they're able to tie into our AV system and you know we've got 
you know, areas to, for them to locate their cameras. And yeah, a big part of this renovation is going to be making sure that we're working closely with the folks that broadcast these games so that it makes their lives easier, makes the quality of the broadcast better. And yeah, I think, you know, it goes without saying that if, if you've got a really nice facility where these folks can tie in easily and, and it helps the quality of, of their product, we're, you know, we're probably more likely to get featured. So yeah, it's it's an exciting part of the of the Sunbelt transition, and and definitely on our on our on our radar screen for getting it all set up. That's phenomenal. I know a number of people in our group live out of the area, have moved away professionally, that are in California or even Richmond, who can't get down all the time. And then talking to parents in Rally Alley, I mean, we've got we've got players from all over. I mean, New Jersey, Washington State, Canada. You know, it's yeah. so the ability for them to be able to watch you know, their sons play on a more frequent basis would be pretty, pretty great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really becoming an expectation nowadays. I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, gosh, how old am I? When I was playing college ball, my parents were never watching any, any streams of any games. You know, we were, they were lucky to catch, you know, maybe one or two in my entire career. Now it's, it's really become an expectation, you know, certainly in the power five, but even in, in mid, mid majors and in group of five, programs you know it's becoming far more common to to be able to go on espn plus or 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 some type of app and and watch you know on your phone or your you know smart tv or whatever so yeah no we're excited so john since you did play college ball when you were looking at colleges how much did the facilities impact your decision making you know it's funny when i was a kid i grew up going to uh baseball camp at, at the bud so you know i've i've always kind of had a special place in my heart for the bud spent some really grueling hot summers out there was was always really close with the coaching staff coach guzzo was like a like a like a father figure out there for me and when it came time to choose where to go play in college as much as i wanted to stick around here i i had kind of lived virtually on campus my entire life it was time for me to go see the world so i went to radford which you know i would say their facility at the time it's come a long way since when i played but um you know it wasn't it wasn't a huge factor for me personally i went to a place that didn't have you know a first class facility by any means but you know i i think i was leaning maybe a little more towards me when i met the guys and just kind of seeing the culture seeing a beautiful part of the state honestly was a big draw for me so for me personally maybe not as much but we're in a different world now I, i really think you know the facilities across the Commonwealth and across the country are just all, you know, being upgraded. And I'm certain that recruits are, are, are weighing that more heavily nowadays. I was going to do something tangential here. My, one of my coworkers, her son, plays. he's a very good basketball player. His name's David McCormick, played for Kansas. And I remember talking to him when he was looking at his colleges and what he was doing in interviewing. He, he basically looked at it as he was interviewing the coaches, the trainers and the facilities and his obviously his education, but he yep. was looking at it like I'm trying to make this a career, and I'm trying to pick what school is going to best get me there. So yeah, if we improve those facilities, give them a better environment to get better, I think obviously we're going to get more of those kids that see it yeah. as a career. I agree a hundred percent because I really think we're checking the box in every other in every other situation i mean our, our people you know our staff our coaching staff our, our athletic support staff our entire department i mean we've got just a, a great group of people the team obviously feels the support feels the love they, they are, are just a first class group of guys so yeah i mean the the people are, you know probably always come first and and being around there's like that but then you know it's always nice when you can sprinkle in a nice little facility as well so I think that's where, you know, if we're if we're losing a recruit right now, I'd venture to guess it's it's facility related and not people related or or team culture related. So, you know, we'll see. So, John, we've seen the pictures. We've obviously talked about it. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty kick-ass facility. We know this stuff costs money. Talk to us a little bit about that. What we're looking at in this capital improvement project and all the good stuff that goes into that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Money, money is is the key here, and I think it's just worth mentioning that we're we're in such a unique part of this timeline right now. So if if you go back, you know, not even a year now, so to when we were, you know, oh wow, Old Dominion's going to be a one seed, but they're not going to be able to host host regionals. This conversation hadn't really started then, so this is not even a, a year old yet. But I would say that 
the fact that the team is on a tear and, and you know, getting into these rankings and, and just, like I said, on the rise nationally, pair that with the transition to the Sunbelt Conference, which has some really nice baseball facilities that we're going to be competing against. And then also third is, is you know, having our new president, our university president, Dr. Brian Hemphill, is an amazing guy. I mean, the timing was awesome for athletics. He came in from Radford, a shameless plug, my fellow <laughs> Highlander. But he came in and, and just right out of the gate showed us what kind of president he was going to be for the athletic department. He's been extremely supportive of this project and, and just basically anything athletic related so far. It's been very encouraging. When you look at the price tag of this project, based on our feasibility study that we started about six months ago with Populous, we're calling this project about a $20 million project, uh, a $20 million renovation of, of Bud Matheny Ballpark. I'm proud to announce that as of a couple weeks ago, we had a nice dinner with the president and he announced that the university was going to support this project to the tune of $10 million. So right out of the gate, 10 of our 20 is, is, is raised. It's ready to roll. From there, you know, we're, we're, we're extremely fortunate over at the ODAF. We've got support from, from some amazing folks that have allowed us to, to do some great things over the years. And we've got somewhere between four and $5 million uh, committed from, from our ODAF membership right now. It's, it's, it's some key people, some key major gifts. But that leaves us with, you know, five or six million dollars to go. So here's where the legwork really starts. This is where we look to Monarch Nation to to get involved. There's really no no gift too too small or, or too big. We're, we're trying to get folks to enter into these five-year pledges. You know, for example, if, if somebody wanted to make a $25,000 uh, commitment to this renovation, they could do it over five years and it would be, you know, say $5,000 a year. But, you know, it's... The, the kind of the rubber's hitting the road right now. We're, we're we're getting ready to throttle up. You know, I feel like everybody's probably seen the the populist slides and some of the renderings and some of the three dimensional uh, videos and stuff. So I think people are excited, and now it's it's time to get as many folks on board and, and involved as possible. So that's a big part of why I'm here with you guys today, and I, I sincerely appreciate you involving me and allowing me to kind of spread the word. John, we're we're really happy that you joined us and. Can- educate us on this whole process and keep us updated on what the timeline is looking like. So, Absolutely. Speaking of timeline, once, what are we looking at in the next couple of years? Yeah, so obviously we're going to finish out this season at the existing bud. We'll definitely play next season at the existing bud and possibly even, a, you know, two more full seasons. I think originally we had hoped that we would finish this year, play next year, and then at the end of the 2023 season, we'll start demo and see how quickly we could get everything rebuilt. You know, talking to some of our folks that are, you know, in the industry, contractors, construction folks, it, it, this, it's kind of an interesting time right now. I think it's, it's the pandemic, it's the economy. There's a lot of just supply chain issues. So fingers crossed we can get it done for the 2024 season, but it, it could also be pushed back to 2025. We got to, we've got to be realistic. We don't ever want to rush this thing and have a product that's not up to snuff. You know, we want to make sure that if we're going to put Bud Matheny's name on it, we're going to put, you know, Old Dominion on it. We want to make sure it's a first-class facility. You look across campus at, at what we've been able to do, you know, with university support and, and through our, our ODAF members and, and some really amazing support you know, SB Ballard Stadium is, is a first-class facility. You know, the LR Hill Complex right there at 43rd and Powhatan is actually, you know, a really nice place, and they're, they're even doing some improvements over there now. The Mitchum Basketball Facilities, first-class, Rowing Center, brand-new volleyball. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really great capital projects that we've been able to accomplish, and we want to make sure that this is, is on par with all that. So we appreciate you sharing kind of where some of the funds have been committed. Hearing that the school has already committed $10 million and President Hempel coming in with the support for that, that seems unprecedented for anything that I've seen recently with regards to athletics in the school. So that's pretty cool. And then knowing that some of our donors are capable of giving larger numbers, stepping up to the plate, no pun intended, to to help is, is awesome. But there's a lot of smaller folks like me and Mike and the rest of our crew they can't afford to, to give $100,000 or a million dollars. So I know last year with everything coming together, kind of that perfect storm of the team just hitting all strides, getting the opportunity to host a regional, but having to go to South Carolina for it. 
you know, I know we came together and said, well, what can we do? And that's where the Dollars for Dingers campaign came out of, of just kind of thinking to ourselves, man, 105 home runs, we led the nation. How can we say thank you? How can we show our appreciation? How can we help in the next opportunity we have to host so that the fellows don't have to go on the road? And so we just kind of had a little grassroots Twitter campaign, and in a matter of a few weeks, it exploded. It it did more than we ever thought that it could. I think we raised uh, close to $10,000 within less than a month, which is, from what I understand, a fairly significant part of the baseball budget for the year. I don't know, maybe 10% or something close to that. And so this year, we've already started talking with folks about doing that again. Hopefully, we can build upon that even more. Mike, I mean, absolutely. These these monarchs are going to cost you some money this year. Golly, Putney <laughs> and Gariola, man, you everybody's going to be broke running around hitting roads. Yeah, no, that would be great. I tell you what, that dollars for dingers uh, was exciting to watch. I, I'll never forget riding in the car home from Columbia after that UVA loss, and you know, kind of that mixed emotion of you know, wow, you know, the season's over. You know, that chance to reflect a little bit and then going on Twitter and seeing that thing going viral was just like the medicine everybody needed. It was so cool to see the outpouring of support. And you're right, man, that ended up raising almost $10,000 that goes directly into the baseball enhancement fund. And that's the money that Coach Finwood and the staff are using, you know, to, to differentiate themselves, to, to, get, to get that new equipment, to get that extra scholarship dollar they needed. Or, you know, it's, those, are, those are baseball bucks, true and true. So that was greatly appreciated, very, very cool to see. And, yeah, we, we would always welcome that and would love to see it happen again this year. Boys are hitting a lot of dingers. That's right. I mean, we're, we're already starting to talk it up. Hopefully we can get some of the commitments from folks in Monarch Nation that are all over the place. I know last year when, uh, we put it out there, Coach Ronnie jumped the board really fast. Kent Bazemore jumped right on. Yeah. It's awesome to see folks that are doing cool things in the ODU sports world as professionals but kind of monarch nation as a whole but it is always nice when you've got folks like kent and nancy lieberman and you know jay harris and those people who see things going on with monarch nation and can step up to join in on the fun yeah i mean and it's on trend i mean we're as fundraisers we're you know constantly trying to reinvent ways to to creatively fundraise and, and right now crowdfunding is a big one on our list we're looking at ways for you know, to get, how do we get more dollars for dingers type fundraising efforts? It's, it's grassroots, it's fun. You can see who's giving. It kind of ties everybody together to this cool, tangible goal. And it's exciting. I mean, the, the uh, women's soccer team just had a highly successful crowdfunding initiative that wrapped up a couple weeks ago. And, and we're looking at ways to do it, not just for baseball, but for, for, you know, sports across the board at Old Dominion. So it's cool, you know, and, and like you said, when you start seeing some of those bell ringing names that, that start dropping in, it, it certainly helps and it kind of gets everybody excited. So hoping to hoping to see lots more of it. So I was looking the other day. I haven't re-updated this since they hit all of these home runs this weekend. The last I checked, they were on pace for 119 home runs. Right. Which okay. That is. And you didn't and you didn't add in the like three or four from today yet, or you did? I haven't yet. <laughs> and that doesn't include yesterday either. That doesn't include yesterday either with the Grand Slam and the back-to-back-to-backs. Right. So I'm guessing that number might have climbed a little bit, and I think they're they're averaging like two and a half a game pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. It's an exciting offense to watch at work. I tell you what, I'm glad I'm not a pitcher um, facing the middle of that ODU lineup right now. Not even just the middle. I mean, it's like the first seven guys, you can't take a break. It's murderer's row, I tell you. Top to, top to bottom. A lot of power, a lot of, a lot of hard contact from those guys. So those guys, they got an exciting game this Tuesday. You want to tell the fans about that? Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't heard already, we've got University of Virginia Cavaliers coming in town Tuesday night. It's going to be at Harbor Park. You know, this is kind of an annual thing we've done over the years. Typically, we'll either play UVA or, or Virginia Tech. This year we're, 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 we're tilting against the Cavaliers Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. And, uh, you know, it looks like the weather, knock on wood, is going to cooperate. And if it does, I, I think we've got a really good chance to break an attendance record. So if, you, if everybody's out there listening and wants to be a, a part of some history on Tuesday night, come out to, to Harbor Park and we're looking to break the attendance record for a, a collegiate baseball game in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So, so John, if, um, if folks don't have tickets yet, where can they get them? 
You can get them on whynotticks.com. You can also just get them at the box office for if you just show up. Where you know, I don't think we'll. It's not going to sell out at Harbor Park, but so you know, you can always just walk up. Tickets are ten bucks a piece, and it's you know worth every penny. You're going to see two of the best teams, definitely two the two best teams in the Commonwealth, and two of the best teams in the country. You know, these guys are are at each other's throats. The Cavaliers are going to come in hungry after what we did to them up in Charlottesville a couple weeks ago. And, yeah, it's, it's setting – the stage is set for an exciting evening, that's for sure. Yeah, we can't wait. I've been trying to buy tickets for friends just to kind of force them to go. <laughs> been pushing the word out as much as we can. I mean, Harbor Park is about as fan friend. I mean, you talk about fan experience and places where – you know, you want to bring your family or go take in a ball game, Harbor Park's first class. I mean, and it goes to show, like, you know, you walk around Harbor Park on a, on a re- you know, regular season Tides game, and, you know, there's still some people sitting in the seats and watching games, but, the, you know, that concourse is alive and busy, and there's lots going on with concessions and food and, you know, family fun, and, and that'll all be that'll all be going on Tuesday night. So and it's they got definitely a, a, And they got a beautiful you know, new scoreboard there. They do. It's gorgeous. Ready to rock. Hopefully we're going to get a good crowd Tuesday night. We're looking forward to it. I'll, I'll just add this. You know, like like you mentioned the dollars for dingers and, and the baseball enhancement, you know, that, that type of fundraising that we do uh, year in and year out, even when we're not in the middle of a capital project, you know, that stuff like the baseball banquet and the baseball golf tournament, we're, all, we're always raising money for that enhancement fund, and, and you can go to olddominionaf.com to get involved on that. Obviously, you know, keep an eye on Twitter and social media for the dollars for dingers towards the end of this year. But also there is links on the ODAF webpage to get to the stadium giving. So, you know, we want all of our donors and potential donors out there to know that, you know, we're, we're good stewards of your dollar, and, and wherever you tell us to put the gift is where it's going. So if you want to make a, a gift to the enhancement fund, uh, those are always appreciated. If you want to try to, you know, get a piece of this Bud Matheny ballpark action, it's going to take a it's going to take a village. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways to get involved, and, and they're all good causes. So we, we, we appreciate everybody out there. Listen. Before we let you go, I was going to ask, um, at the football stadium we saw a brick program. Are we going to see something similar to that at the baseball stadium? Yes, it's it's not released yet. We do have some naming rights that we're working off of right now. You know, it's it's as big as you know naming the complex. You know, or, or you know this the entryway. You know, we've got some some different naming rights that are six figure gifts. We've also got some opportunities to like get involved and sponsor a locker or a chair back seat yeah the brick the brick plaza will will get announced later it'll probably be one of the last fundraising efforts that we do but yeah we do plan on having a brick plaza similar to what you see on on the east side of of sb ballard stadium right there on bluestone absolutely well that's exciting to me because that's more of my price range personally (laughs) well john i appreciate you coming on sharing with monarch nation what's going on with the ballpark what we can do to help and uh, we look forward to seeing you and the rest of Monarch Nation on Tuesday night at Harbor Park to watch our Old Dominion Monarchs take the second of two games against the University of Virginia baseball team this year. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate what you guys do. You guys are, are helping us spread the word about some really important initiatives, and I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm really impressed with the way you guys bring Monarch Nation together under one umbrella and keep everybody in the loop. And uh, it's a pleasure working with you guys. We certainly appreciate it. The pleasure's all ours, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, John. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you Tuesday night. Go see Monarchs. You, all right. Sounds good.